KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. Whenever you have a new presidential administration, you wonder about what direction they will go on a number of issues. Now, one of the most important issues of our generation is the environment and climate change. So what should we expect from the Biden-Harris administration on this front? To get a feel, we reached out to Dr. Samantha Chapman. She is a professor at Villanova University, co-director of the Center for Biodiversity and Ecosystem Stewardship. Really interesting stuff. Give a listen. So let's talk uh, kind of overall here in the battle against climate change. I shouldn't say the battle and trying to to curb it. Where are we overall as an American society? We've been pretty much in stasis as an American society. Economically, there have been some hopeful things over the past four years. I'll just give you an example. In Texas right now, there's more people that have jobs in wind and solar than do in the oil industry, which is pretty crazy if you think about Texas. So I think the private sector knows that clean energy is the way to go and it's coming. And so they've been moving in that direction. As a government, um, federally, we've been in stasis. Local governments like ours here in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia have been doing more with climate change in terms of greenhouse gas initiatives regionally, climate adaptation strategies, Philadelphia preparing for climate change. Um, but in terms of mitigation, you know, getting where we need to be in terms of avoiding the worst effects of climate change, we've been in stasis. We've seen a lot of headlines over the last four years with the Trump administration that screamed about not just that programs were being ended, but that things were kind of proactively being trying to reverse the clock to policies that worked 30, 40 years ago from an environmental standpoint. You used the term stasis. Has there been regression or has it pretty much just been we've stopped from where we were in 2016 and just nothing's really changed, which in a, in a fight like this isn't good. I use the term stasis. That's a really good point, Matt. I use the term stasis because I'm sort of combining what's been going on in the private sector and local governments with what's been going on in the federal government. In terms of as a U.S. society in whole, there has been regression. Uh, you know, an example would be, you know, mileage requirements on vehicles that the Obama administration put into place and that California has been fighting in courts to try to keep in place, you know, with limited success. And so in that in that case and many others, particularly in the way that we've been losing so much of the Amazon over the last couple of years because our federal leadership has been nil on climate change. I mean, you know, people use the term that the Amazon is the lungs of the earth. And that's not totally accurate, but there's a whole heck of a lot of carbon trapped up in those tropical forests. And if we lose that, we are down the pipe towards a bad climate future. So let's talk about uh, when the Biden administration takes office January 20th. What are some big picture things you are expecting and what they've put forward in campaigning? Uh, I'm sure, you know, programs they've talked about. What do you see? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm really excited. I think that the Biden administration's climate policies are more progressive than many of us would have hoped they would be. And I've been reading their plan a lot over the last couple of months, and I'm really excited about it. So the kind of the top line items are by 2050, they're committing the U.S. to be climate or carbon neutral, which is a big deal by 
2030, 2035 to the electricity sector to be all clean energy. They're going to put $2 trillion into clean energy jobs, sort of this clean energy revolution that they're proposing. And so those are some, you know, big ticket, top of the line items. But their their smaller policies are really exciting to me as well. One of them, of course, that's not small, is us joining, the U.S. joining the Paris Climate Change Agreement on day one of the Biden administration, which sounds like, you know, it's this diplomatic agreement worldwide. What does that really mean? But it means a ton for the U.S. to be part of that, right? This is a progressive way in which countries around the world are continually adjusting their their emissions to to get to where we need to be with keeping climate change under, you know, two degrees, four degrees Celsius, which is where we get into the really bad implications, although we've been seeing lots of those already. And so our role in the world is really important. And the Paris Climate Change Agreement is just the beginning of that. So Biden's proposed to have kind of a summit, a climate summit of various nations around the world in which We talk about things like trade and how do we make that cleaner energy. We talk about things like um, cooperation across nations to help out, you know, for example, developing countries who don't have the resources to transition to clean energy like we do or don't have the resources to preserve their forests, which are so important as natural climate solutions. Are there any of the policies or things you're looking for that you could kind of uh, paint a little picture locally? that could could really play a role, uh, whether it's a program, whether it's a concept, whether it's just something they'll be pushing for? Is there anything that people in the Delaware Valley could keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that we here in the Delaware Valley have to worry about the most is water. And we worry about it in two ways, not in the ways that the Southwest does, right, with drought, but in the ways that we're predicted to get more and more rain, And flooding is a big part of that, right? So flooding can be devastating for lots of reasons, as we all know, with our homes and our flooding base. We have so many basements here in the Philadelphia region, right? I worry every time it rains. You are not alone on that one. (laughs) So that the flooding is a big one. Um, Another one is sea level rise, right? We uh, we go to the Jersey Shore. We we are you know Philadelphia is perched not that far from the ocean, so. Flooding, flooding from sea level rise and storm surges associated with big hurricanes and super storms like Sandy is also a big problem for us here in the Delaware Valley. And so a big piece of Biden's plan, and I think the plan that we need to move on, is not just mitigation, getting rid of as many greenhouse gas emissions, but it's adaptation, right? Like how do we build things better to be ready for these big floods and big storms? How do we, you know, have zoning laws where we stay out of flood floodplains, right, in our new developments and things like that. And that all is really important. Pennsylvania has some awesome land and beaches and farms, and we can use all of those land-based tools to help prevent more climate change as well. I think the Trump administration was the furthest right administration we could possibly get with regards to environmental policy. How much does the private sector, and you talked about this earlier, but I feel like when you kind of dig deep on a lot of these things, a lot of the private sector has already priced this in. It's already baked into the cake of how they're projecting out 10, 20, 30 years. So are we kind of to the point that it's going to be hard, even if we were to get another administration that thought like the Trump administration did on environment, 
the private sector is just going to say, nah, we really can't. We've got to go in this direction regardless of what's believed or not. Yeah, the writing is on the wall for clean energy. It is going to be the best thing for our economy, for jobs. For, and so you're right. I think a lot of the big fossil fuel companies have already been baking this in. But we are still subsidizing fossil fuels immensely, right? And so instead, we can make this happen a lot faster than the private sector can alone or necessarily wants to in that we can start taking those subsidies away from fossil fuel companies and away from farming practices that aren't good for the climate and the environment and putting them in the places that are good for the environment, wind, solar, even nuclear, you know, soil-based strategies to trap carbon and farms. And if we, you know, the U.S. government is, is a big ship, right? And if we turn that ship towards subsidizing things, both here at home and abroad, you know, giving foreign aid, like I said, to preserve these forests and some of these other really important ecosystems like I work in in mangroves to kind of help us adapt to climate change and mitigate it as well. You talk about the the Biden plan being more progressive than you thought might be at first. Are there areas, and I'm sure there are always areas you'd like to go more, but are there areas where you feel it's a little lacking? You would like to see more clarity or you would like, you think it's necessary to go farther than what's being proposed? Yeah, I mean, I... I I was impressed. I'll just say one other thing. I was impressed with how it addresses racial justice as well, which is a big part of this. Right. We know that, for example, the worst effects of covid impact um, disadvantaged neighborhoods because they have more pollution and therefore their lungs are suffering more. And so there's all kinds of ways in which we need more clean air and water for for underrepresented communities um, and and so that that part I was excited about the part I'd like to see a little bit more. And I do think this is. um, Something that I'm working on and many of my colleagues work on are these kind of natural solutions to climate change. And so an example of that is these coastal wetlands, like we, the marshes we have at the Jersey Shore in this area, the mangroves we have in Florida, and really the coastal wetlands all around the world. These kind of like little green strips that line our coasts. They do two things for us, right? They, they help us adapt to climate change in the sense that they are protecting us against big storms, right? They're absorbing the impact of those waves and breaking them up. And they also trap carbon out of the atmosphere really, really well, really, really quickly. So I think this is like a known solution. It's not going to get us all the way there. It's part of a portfolio of solutions. But I think if we use those natural climate solutions a little bit better, and I'd like to see a little bit more. There is some of this in that plan, but I'd like to see a little bit more of that and push on that a bit more. Because I think they, they not only provide these two benefits of adaptation and mitigation of climate change, they're also places for fish to live that we like to go out and fish in, right? Right? And they're fun to go on kayak rides through and they're beautiful and they support cool birds and biodiversity. So they kind of do all these amazing things that we hear, especially, in, you know, in our region of the world in the Northeast. But this is really happening around the world. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I think a lot of people, when they talk about climate change, it can seem overwhelming because, you know, we're talking about hurricanes doubling in strength or more frequent hurricanes or you know, kind of take it back to the individual, regardless of, you know, what the the government says. What are some things people can do day to day past? I think we all understand recycling, stuff like that. But what are some things that people that listen to this that are overwhelmed by the giant concept can maybe kind of grab onto to feel like they're trying to they're doing their part, taking control? Yeah, 
and I'm going to be really honest with you. I think sometimes institutions say, well, if people would just individually take action, we could solve this problem. And that's just not true. Right? We need governments to take action. So voting was the first thing that people could have done and did, right, to vote for sort of a new future. But in terms of people's own lives, I really like to think about the preservation of land as a big one, right? That buffers us against climate change. Not building a house right next to the water is going to benefit you in the long term because climate change is coming and we need to adapt to it. But maybe we can avoid the worst effects. There's hope for that. No question, right? Especially because we have a new administration. But try to think about yourself as being more uh, adapting to climate change and some of this new world we're going to live in, right? And so I think, you know, thinking about using less energy through flights, right, which we're all doing right now because of COVID um, is a big one. And using, making your house more energy efficient. Those things can certainly help. But here in our area, I buy, in my house, we buy all wind energy from Pico. And that's awesome, right? That's a really important individual action because you're buying fossil fuel free energy just by paying, you know, a little bit more, maybe 15 bucks more on your electric bill, not even that much a month. And so I think that's a huge one because you're buying into the system, which has cascading effects on making this green energy kind of come to fruition in our area. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.